Support for this podcast is provided by Bright Hire. Bright Hire's leading interview intelligence platform transforms hiring by helping individuals run better interviews and helping teams hire faster with more confidence and less bias. Bright Hire automatically records and transcribes interviews and creates highlights that can be revisited and shared right within the ATS. Teams use Bright Hire to streamline their interview process, train interviewers and recruiters, and give hiring managers better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. Visit brighthire.com to learn how Bright Hire can help you win the best talent. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 447 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Back in 2020, there was an acknowledgement that talent acquisition had changed forever, but a sense that things would eventually stabilise into a new normal. Two and a half years later, it's clear that the only new normal is continual long-term disruption, change and uncertainty. So what should TA leaders focus on to give their organisations the best chance of maintaining a competitive talent advantage in these challenging times? My guest this week is Hayley Thornhill, Head of Recruiting at Bright Hire. Hayley is an experienced TA leader who's worked in both startups and large corporations. She has some insightful advice to share on dealing with disruption and preparing for an uncertain future. Hi, Haley, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yes, of course. Um, have been in the recruiting space for quite some time now, going on about 20 years. Um, but like a what's hopefully a bit unique about my experience is I've spent a lot of time in very large global organizations spanning different industries from finance to different areas of technology, um, leading large teams in, in those places, and took a bit of a turn to um, try <laughs> my hand at early stage startups, which I found that I love. Um, so that's where I've spent the last few years as the first recruiter in early stage, just post Series B, um, tech startups, building teams essentially from scratch and um, have had an opportunity to, I feel like, round out my experience in a way that, you know, was certainly a goal of mine to do so. And that gets us to, to today. And tell us a little bit about your role at the moment and the company you work for. Absolutely. So I lead recruiting for Bright Hire. Um, what drew me here was certainly the mission and, of course, the people um, after being in the space for so long, I believe that there's a lot of room for improvement when it comes for doing things a bit better in the hiring space. So I was very drawn to Bright Hire. What we've done is build an intelligent interview platform that's on top of Zoom and Google Meet. We record and transcribe interviews, empowering companies, I would say, for the first time to truly make evidence-based hiring decisions. So surfacing data in a way that makes it extremely easy to digest, share, revisit, analyze to make sure you're hiring the best people 
uh, in the most efficient manner and with the least amount of bias. Tell us about the team that you work with. What does your recruiting team look like? We're a small but mighty team of two right now. So um, we have um, an amazing uh, go-to-market recruiter who's mostly focused on that side of the business. I'm managing tech and processes and a little bit of everything else. So we work very closely together with our partners here Right now, we're about 52-ish full-time employees. So it's, uh, I mean, I've, 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 seems like I've been continually saying this for two and a half years, but it's a very disruptive, a very strange time in recruiting at the moment. We seem to have gone from a period of time where everyone was wanting to recruit as quickly as, as they possibly could, quicker than was actually humanly possible in many cases. But now the the market is also sort of smattered with with layoffs, sort of particularly in the tech sector and uh, in the startup sector. Uh, tell us about what you're seeing in the market at the moment. What what are the challenges? What's going on from your perspective? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, would, I think we can all agree that globally people have been through quite a bit in the last few years, especially. So I think and I know that many of us are still adjusting to pandemic impacts, both personally and professionally. Um, people are feeling uncertain in the wake of the layoffs that you mentioned. Certainly, with these you know big big name companies leading the charge, I think is is even more unsettling for folks. So, I, we find ourselves somewhere on the broad spectrum of slowing down, freezing hiring completely to some people operating you know essentially BAU or full speed ahead. Um, and, and many still have sizable hiring targets to meet this year. So I would say the market is still a very challenging one, particularly in the technology space. And I think we've known this. I mean, it, you know, certainly we've learned this over the last couple of years as well. But I, I think the market demands a new level of agility and companies will need to, ar- to rise to meet this new demand to be competitive. And some are having to do so with much smaller teams if their teams have been impacted. So you know, we find ourselves with this unique sort of forced opportunity to work better, smarter, faster. Um, and many of us actually have the time for once to figure out what that means and actually how to do it, which is kind of exciting. It very much feels like this is what the future looks like. This continual disruption, moving of goalposts, things going on, talent shortages, companies freezing hiring, companies accelerating hiring. So, the future is is uncertainty, and as you said, it's such an important time for talent acquisition leaders and talent acquisition teams to really get the sort of the basis of their strategy and their and their technology and everything really cemented in to see them through what's going to be a kind of a roller coaster of a, of a few years. Talk us through what you think the the key elements are that people should be looking at right now. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're all still talking a lot about efficiency and I don't think that's going to go away. Um, you know, and I think efficiency with quality is key. I would say there are three large buckets um, that I'm hearing rather consistently from folks in the market. And those, you know, are related to tech stack, <coughs> uh, interviewer training, and just overall improvements to the hiring process. So, it sounds good to you. I'm happy to talk through, you know, each of those obviously in more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Let's um let let's start with tech stack. Talk talk us through what you're what you're seeing, what you what you think people should be focusing on. Yeah, for those of us who've slowed down, I mean, it, it's a great time to audit our recruitment tech stack. So there are plenty of tools, as we all know, to address any area of your funnel that needs assistance. Most of us are working with you know five large bucket areas of the tech stack and. 
Those are sourcing and candidate attraction, so things like job boards, sourcing platforms. Second would be candidate management and engagement, so your ATS, your CRM. The third would be interviewing, so screening, video interviewing platforms. Fourth being assessment and screening, background checks, reference checks, think of that. Uh, technology addressing those areas. And then lastly, offers and onboarding. So things like documentation management. Um, I think it's fair to say we're all somewhere between tool overload, fatigue, and hey, this seems to be working, you know, when it comes to our tech stacks. Um, I was chatting with a friend recently who leads a large team, a team that she inherited, by the way. So she joined a new company earlier this year, and she's currently in the process of assessing you know, 30 to 40 tools that were purchased prior to her joining. So, I mean, that's enough to give anyone anxiety. With the forced shift to remote in early 2020, some hasty purchases were likely made to accommodate the virtual hiring process. And this is a perfect time to evaluate and optimize. And how do you sort of personally go about looking at a, a, a tech stack? How do you sort of set the strategy? What are you looking for? What have you found to be the best way of making sure that you have the, the right technology that's, that's fit for purpose? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times many of us are, you know, to my to earlier story, I think many of us are joining a company a lot of times and there are some things in place and we're inheriting things that maybe we wouldn't have been at the top of our list. So, it, you know, when you join a new place, um, whether you're inheriting or there's nothing, I think understanding what the current process looks like and what is currently happening in the day-to-day is key. So, you know, really talking and listening to people on the team and finding out how they're working and what's working for them. I mean, what I've found in the past is that, you know, you may have some recruiters with some very strong opinions about certain tools that they love for whatever reason. But, you know, I think really looking at, again, what's working, what's working for not only your recruiting team, but for hiring team collaboration, et cetera, and then figuring out what the return on investment on either the current stack is um, or the one, you know, again, that may be the one that, that you've inherited, but really figuring out are, you know, a lot of times there's overlap. Are we paying for five things that are ultimately doing the same thing? So really breaking it down, and understanding, you know, that's the first step, and then working through what what the team needs. And a lot of times, it's not, you know, it's not two hundred and fifty things. <laughs> it's um, it's just understanding what's working well, where are the gaps. You mentioned interviewer training, and I'm particularly interested in this one in the light of what Bright Hire does. So, talk us through that. Yeah. So, I recently attended Greenhouse Open, which, by the way, it was great to see people in person for the first time in a long time. Um, also a great opportunity for a real-time market pulse check. So I cannot, you know, speak enough about how much I'm hearing about training, specifically interviewer training, as being top of mind for recruiters, you know, and leaders who may find themselves with, with some extra time on their hands right now. So, you know, interviewer training is a really interesting topic, as I'm sure you you know. I mean, every organization knows it's really important, but most have an old model and materials for getting it done. So the old way is, I think, what most of us are familiar with, maybe a training deck, one live session, you know, primarily focused on what not to do or say, you know, in other words, how not to get sued, um, you know, followed by maybe some live, awkward, shadowing um, experiences, which, you know, result in a less than stellar candidate experience. So, you know, overall, the old way is really completely disregarding what should be covered and how to do so in an an impactful way. 
And I think it's finally time. I know that it's finally time for us to let technology help us do that really well too. So, you know, companies like BrightHire are certainly changing the game. Our platform gives companies the power to create on-demand training playlists, so to speak, so that recruiters and hiring teams can see and hear what good looks like for every stage of the process. So imagine track one being company pitch, track two, how to describe the engineering culture, track three, how to conduct a successful system design interview. And the best part is that, you know, there's an opportunity for relevant and meaningful, co- meaningful content in an on-demand fashion. So allowing teams to train async in a way to create something that's actually repeatable relevant and scalable just to dig into that a little bit deeper tell us a little bit more about how you use your own tool yeah so i mean i i i love you know and and people internally listening will laugh at me because they know how much i love um our clips feature so and that to me works you know in line with what i was just describing for for interviewer training so you know with our product with us record recording that entire discussion if you think about it you know most most companies haven't had the visibility to first understand what is actually happening throughout the process, truly. Um, so I think, you know, that's the first and foremost, you know, unique thing about what we're doing here is the first place is we're showing up to these discussions. Your teams are, you know, you and your teams are already doing all the hard work, which is having these discussions in the first place. We're capturing it all for you and allowing the data to be shared seamlessly. So you're able to pull specific moments from these discussions, for example, and share them with the rest of your team to ensure that you're making the best decisions. And you're using those same moments, for example, when it comes to putting, you know, these customized playlists together for interview training. You also mentioned hiring process improvement, and obviously interview training is part of that um, to, to some extent. Talk us through that a bit more, because I think it's something that lots of organizations have been looking at over the last 12 months or so, very often with a view to trying to desperately speed up their process and perhaps not making the, the exactly the right decisions to do that. What have you been seeing? What do you think people should be focusing on right now? Yeah, I think sometimes people can get a bit wrapped up in um, thinking they have to have such a complex um, you know, process to begin with, or maybe they're just trying to fix too many things without understanding where the, where the real issues are to begin with. So when there is time like this to assess the process, without the stress of trying to hit, you know, huge hiring targets, what a, what a great time to really just take it back to the basics. Um, and we can start by asking ourselves if we would use words like structured, streamlined, and unbiased to describe what's currently in place. You know, so again, what's working well? Where are the gaps? What are the biggest challenges? And I think there are, in my mind, there are really kind of five non-negotiables that should, you know, precede the posting of any new role, for example, which is, you know, ultimately, that's the first step, right, for, for any process. So happy to talk through what those five things are, which I think is a great place for anyone to start, again, who kind of wants to take it back to the, to the basics. You know, a real business need and a well-written job description to address that need is, is first and foremost, the most important and critical thing. And that's going to set the stage for, you know, the entire process moving forward. Second is a behavioral-based questions relevant to the requirements of the role built into an interview guide for the team to easily access. 
you know, the, the next is an interview panel with a clear understanding of what's to be covered at each stage. You know, for a fully virtual process, it's important to remember that this is the candidate's chance to get an idea of what our culture is like. And it's important to represent that appropriately. Calibration is probably the biggest um, of these five non-negotiables, you know, in, in my opinion. So calibration regarding an ideal candidate profile, what, what a good answer looks like, um, establishing a rubric for each stage. So consider even establishing a calibration meeting for the whole panel before interviewing starts. I think we likely all found ourselves in a debrief um, that goes completely off the rails. So I've seen this happen multiple times with, you know, engineering interviews and disagreement, for example, related to leveling of, of a candidate. Un- you know, unfortunately, memory tends to get foggier between interview and debrief. And there's no way to counteract a biased opinion without evidence from the discussion itself. And lastly, I would say ensuring everyone has access to give structured feedback and set a precedent for that feedback. My recommendation is 24 hours post-interview. And scorecards, if they're available, should be set up before the process is kicked off. How do you leverage all of those things to make sure that you're providing a brilliant candidate experience? Again, just understanding what those what those areas should be in the first place and why they're important and making sure that your team understands that. I mean, a lot of times people get pulled into interviews, you know, they might be the best product manager you have, but they're not necessarily expert interviewers. So I think it's really important just to make sure that everyone understands, you know, what the steps are and why, why they're necessary to ensure, you know, not only a great candidate experience, but to make sure you're making, the right hires. You know, we focus, we talked about this earlier, so much on speed, but you have to make sure that you are moving swiftly, but also with care when it comes to, you know, bringing the right people into the organization. Final question. We, we said right at the beginning of the conversation uh, that how that, that everything being unpredictable is the, is the key theme of the future. So rather than kind of ask you to sort of predict the, the future and what might happen, what do you hope is going to happen in talent acquisition in the next sort of one to two years. If we're having this conversation again in in sort of 24 months, what, what would you hope we'd be talking about? What I would say is, you know, I, I hope that, and what I've seen is, I believe that companies have, I, I'm not going to use the word forced, but I, I think they've been strongly encouraged to ensure that they are optimizing their process at every single stage. Candidates have an extremely high bar for, you know, everything right now. So I don't think there's ever been a ton of patience for a bad candidate experience. But what I would say is that I think we're going to see, you know, the demand for that to continue to rise and for candidates to expect a lot, not only of the process, but, you know, they're going to be very intentional about the decisions they're making. And so companies will either rise to meet the challenge from a competition perspective and make sure that they have the right technology in place to do that. Or what I think you know we'll see is there will be a big difference in those those companies that continue to grow and attract the best talent and those that fall behind. Haley, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks to Haley. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. 
you can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.